0: Okay, there's your opportunity, Dolly. She gets mad at me if I advance it too quickly. So she uh, can post it up on uh, Facebook so people know what's going on in the uh, church. Okay. Return of the Gods, this is part five, and the final one, so... Some of you are out there. Yay! We don't have to hear this anymore. Okay, part three is Moloch. And uh, here's our scriptures up there. Okay, reading in Matthew chapter 12, verses 43 through 45. Jesus told a little parable here, said, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places, seeking rest, I'm sorry, already behind, and finds none. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept and put in order then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself and they enter and dwell there and the last state of that man is worse than the first so shall it be with this generation Jesus was talking to his generation but it's uh, been replayed here in America too <clears throat> also first kings chapter uh, 11 verses 4 5 and 7. For it was so, when Solomon was old, that his wives turned his heart after other gods. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Moloch, the abomination of the Ammonites. Verse 7. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab. These are the nations that were surrounding uh, the nation of Israel. On the hill that is east of Jerusalem. And for Molech, the abomination of the people of Ammon. So the land became polluted with this Spirit, the spirit behind that God Moloch. Okay, but all was not lost. Second Kings chapter twenty-three verses ten and thirteen, and Josiah defiled Topheth, which is in the valley of the sons of Hinnam, that no one may t- make his son or daughter pass through the fire to Moloch. Verse 13, then the king, this is Josiah again, a good king, the king defiled the high places that were east of Jerusalem, which were on the south of the Mount of Corruption, which Solomon, I thought Solomon was a good king, Solomon, king of Israel, built had built for Ashtoreth, the abomination of the Sidonians, for Chemosh, the abomination. Uh, Abomination of the Moabites, and for Moloch, the abomination of the people of Ammon. And finally, Second Timothy chapter three verses one through five. This is where we are as a nation right now, brothers and sisters. You know, listen closely. But know this: that in the last days, how many of you believe we're in the last days? Okay. In the last days, grievous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. We're going to look at it and see exactly what this means at the end of the uh, um, Message today. Unforgiving, slanderers, without self control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power of it. Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Father, we come before you, Lord, and uh, Lord, as we examine this final God here that plague, plagued the uh, uh, children of Israel, Lord, the sins were, that were committed by the children of Israel following after this God, Moloch, Lord, were the uh, most grievous of all, Lord God, because they destroyed men who are made in your image. People, Lord, human beings, Lord. And Lord, it was because of this more than any other, Lord, that you brought judgment to your nation, Israel, Lord. And Lord, it just grieved your heart so much to see so many young lives and other lives destroyed, Lord, in the altar of human sacrifice. And Lord, we are right there now as a nation, And so, Lord, I pray that more than anything else, uh, even these other messages I've been preaching on this, Lord, this will stir us up into action, Lord, as we really truly understand how much it grieves your heart. And so, Lord, I pray for your anointing upon me. Lord, I'm treading again into the realm of the powers of darkness lord and only a a fool goes into that realm lord without uh, seeking you earnestly lord so lord i pray that you just be with me lord and uh, uh, help me to really uh, impress upon your people lord god the necessity of how much we need a revival to stem the tide of this abominable practice that's going on in our nation today i pray this in jesus name amen Okay, so this is the final message that I'm going to be talking about, The Return of the Gods. It's based upon this book by uh, Jonathan Cahn. If you want to, you can get a hold of the book quite easily now. I bought my copy down at uh, uh, Barnes & Noble's in uh, St. George. You can get it if you don't want to spend the money for it. I would urge you to uh, maybe go out on YouTube if you want more information on that. Uh, Jonathan Cahn had an interview with uh, James Do- uh, Dobson and his Family Talk radio program. And you can find it on YouTube just in your uh, the window there. When you go to YouTube, just type in Jonathan JonathanCahn.com. Uh, Return of the Gods, and James Dobson, and you can find it very easily there if you want to listen to it and have for, uh, more information on it. Now in part one, I spent the first two Sundays on it, I dealt with the Baalim, which denotes the gods of the Canaanite pantheon. Baal is merely the chief god of this. And there's many others that are involved in the Canaanite pantheon. Uh, Khan mostly deals with only three, uh, starting with Baal, and uh, then uh, also Ashtoreth. And like today, we're going to talk about Moloch. He calls them the dark trinity. Okay, now there's three things that I uh, tried to emphasize with Uh, the first two messages dealing with Baal or the Balaam. And first of all, to worship Baal meant to eventually suppress the worship of Yahweh. And this is going on today. You know, the uh, worship of the Christian God that we worship has been suppressed. Now... Back in ancient Israel, this especially had kind of reached its zenith under wicked king Ahab. He married uh, uh, Jezebel, who was the uh, princess of the Sidonians. It was a political arrangement. And uh, she was the one who promoted Baal worship throughout the land of Israel. Even to the point of killing the prophets of Jehovah, of Yahweh. So the prophets of God were killed. She would have killed uh, uh, Elijah. He would have been first in line, but they couldn't find him. And he was the one that brought uh, judgment uh, to the the nation of Israel. Okay? Because Baal was the god of the natural world, of the sky, the earth, and the weather. So they associated uh, uh Baal with prosperity. He was the one that brought rain to the crops. And that's why Elijah brought judgment to that God baal, because he said, unless I give the word, there will be no rain or dew, uh, you know from the heavens. And it lasted for three and a half years. So Baal was the god of the rain. How come it didn't rain during that period of time? Well, that's because Baal is a false god. Okay? Uh, Baal worship eventually became suppressed with the advent of the uh, Christian church starting in the first century and in the first three centuries eventually Constantine took over and Christianity became the state religion. This is the case, you know, and uh, the devil fought as hard as he could to suppress the Christian church but he was unsuccessful. So he changed his tactic after that and he decided to join the church. But the effect of the those early uh, first centuries is the complete culture was radically altered. Okay? Now, that was in its early history. Uh, but now, especially since the 1960s, we have forced God out of our culture, out of our civilization, out of our society. And Jesus, this is what Jesus was talking about in Matthew, that parable that I read at the outset. The story of the wicked spirit that inhabited a man and he was cast out and he wandered in dry places, found no rest, and then he came back and he found out that his house, that the man that was demon-possessed was now empty. And that's what's happened with our societies. We forced God out of our society, and our society has become empty. And what is filling the void, this is a, you know, uh, Khan's main point in this book, is that the ancient gods have returned, and now they are worse than ever. Now, Baal was worshipped also in other cultures, but under different names. He was called Asher in Assyria, Marduk in Babylon... He later morphed into uh, Zeus in Greece and uh, Jupiter in Rome. And I concluded in not my estimate after covering these, uh, this first god Baal, that Baal is nothing more than the spirit of the world and the world system. And to embrace him is to embrace what the world says will bring us satisfaction in life. And those four things I've told you many times before, fortune, fame, power and pleasure. The world tells you that all you need to do to have meaning and satisfaction in this present life is to pursue those four things, fortune, fame, power and pleasure, and get if you get enough of those things, then you'll have all that you need to have meaning and satisfaction in your life. Is that true? It's not true, and you know it's not true because you see the people that have the most of these things—the most wealth, the most power, the most uh, pleasure, the most fame—doesn't bring them meaning and satisfaction. No, it's human nature. You know, the more you want, the more—I mean, the more you get, the more you want, and the less satisfied you are with what you've got. Amen. How many of you know? I'm t- preaching you the truth. It's true. And the only way to have meaning, fulfillment, and satisfaction in life, you know what it is? It's to have a right relationship with your Creator. With Jesus Christ. Amen. That's the way that you succeed. Okay? Now that final item that I mentioned there, pleasure, brought me to the second God, or goddess that Khan deals with in the book and that was Ashtoreth. like Just like Baal, Ashtoreth was called by other names in other cultures. She was called Ishtar in Assyria and later she became Aphrodite to the Greeks and Venus to the Romans. You know it's strange because what, what do you associate with Venus? You see the planet Venus. How many of you have seen the planet Venus? Um everybody should have seen it, you know, it's very prominent, it's a a morning and evening star, depending on what time of the year, what side of the, uh, you know, orbit of the sun, the uh, uh, Venus is, and what do you know about Venus, the planet, it's brilliant, isn't it, but in contrast, the Venus of the Romans was a goddess of darkness, brought darkness, okay, now, rejection of God led to Baal, we already said that, and then it led to Ashtoreth worship. It says in uh, verse 6 of uh, Judges chapter uh, 10, Then the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of God, and served the Baals and the Ashtoreths. Okay, so uh, like Baal, uh, and we saw that the the plural form of that is Balaam, Ashtoreth is spoken of in the plural form. And this reveals that she was a many-faceted goddess. She was primary, primarily the goddess of love and sexuality. More specifically, if you worshiped her, meant the worship of sex as an end in itself and lit, leads to more and more degradation and sexual perversions. Uh, she was also the goddess of prostitution. Related to this is that she was a transgressor, a breaker of rules and boundaries. And we see that happening in America, as I spent a a couple of uh, uh, Sundays on, uh, that she uh, would always push the boundaries. She's always trying to make our sexual mores and uh, uh, morality, uh, she's making them getting worse and worse as time goes by. She was also the goddess of war and violence. She was the goddess of intoxication, and this intoxication was often re, uh, uh, related to sexual encounters. It used to be that you would pick up, uh, you wanted to pick up on somebody, you would go to a bar and get drunk first. Uh, And I don't have time to go into that, but we've seen this facet of the goddess with the drug culture that has taken this nation ever since uh, that critical decade of the 1960s. She was also the goddess of uh, witchcraft, sorcery, and the occult, and it explains why all three of these came about in the late 1960s. We had the sexual revolution, you had the drug counterculture, and you had the rise of the occult. You know, when I was a kid, uh, when Halloween rolled around, It was uh, something for us kids to do. You know, we'd dress up in our costumes and go door to door, knock on the door, trick or treat. But starting in the late 1960s, what happened? The adults started getting involved in it too. All of a sudden you started having Halloween parties, right and left. And this was an indication of... Just a symptom of the rise of the occult that started, that hit everybody in the late 1960s. Okay? So we forced God out of our schools and consequently our society as a whole in 1962. And there in the late 1960s, it took a few years, you had the rise of all these new ungodly elements as... Ashtoreth began to uh, gain in power. Now the things that I concluded there at the end about Ashtoreth. Okay? While there is nothing wrong with sex, it's something that God thought up all along. And true, sexual satisfaction comes by having your own husband and wife that you can enjoy that union with. There's nothing wrong with sex if, if it is got done through God's design that is confined within the bounds of holy matrimony. If you engage in sex outside of marriage, instead of joining your spirit with the spirit of God, as you should, and with the spirit of your husband or your wife, you are joining your spirit with the spirit of Ashtoreth. And the, the spirit that Ashtoreth is one of the most vicious enemies of, that God has, the Most High God has. And there are different spirits of Ashtoreth, corresponding to different kinds of sexual immorality. I've covered all this before. My experience in ministry is that the more perverted the uh, kinds of sexual acts, the more powerful and vicious are the spirits behind them. Sexual immorality has become so much worse in recent years, and I, I concluded that I see it as being driven in a large part due to the proliferation of internet pornography. You know, brothers and sisters, no culture or civilization has had to deal with this internet pornography before. Before in those civilizations, they may have made statues, you know, That they would bow down and worship. But those were a poor substitute for what we have now in internet pornography. And you can just go out and find just about any kind of degradation you want through that uh, internet pornography. Okay, enough of that. Final manifestation of Ashtoreth. Later on in the book... Khan describes Ashtoreth also as a transformer he described uh, uh, <clears throat> he, he described uh, uh, Baal as the kind of the usurper he described Ashtareth as the enchantress and he described Moloch as the destroyer we're going cover that, but he also described Ashtoreth as being a transformer. He uses an entire section of the book. That is, Ashtoreth is transforming the gender rule roles in modern society. That is, he, she is seeking to make men, I, I'm sorry, women, more masculine, and assume masculine roles. And he's, uh, she is trying to make men more feminine, and take on feminine characteristics. In effect, emasculating him. And this is what's happening in our society, brothers and sisters. So in our modern society, as these gods return, women are increasingly being told to take their positions in the workplace. They're told they don't need men anymore. You know, before men were the protector and the provider of the family. But now women are told that they can do that and they don't need to raise families. They can just uh, seek their fulfillment in the workplace. They can have a uh, you know a thriving career and whatever. And they don't need a man anymore. This is what they're being told. In fact, having a the family then hinders them, from having success in life. This is what women are being told. And men are, on the other hand, they're being berated as fools in, in the sitcoms. You watch the sitcoms. There's a father in there. He's always being portrayed as kind of a fool. Kind of started with uh, uh, you know Archie Bunker and All in the Family. But there's been a whole bunch of them. You know, gone are the days the father knows best, you know, with the sitcoms. Now, men are getting berated and treated like pool, fools here. They're in Hollywood. Okay? And we also have this phrase toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. Who's heard that uh, term before? You ever heard the term toxic masculinity? Oh, yeah. Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters masculinity is never toxic. That toxic masculinity is what freed this world from Nazi and Imperial Japan domination. We had men that were men. And they went out and fought wars. And many hundreds of thousands of them did not return. That masculinity wasn't toxic. That's what kept our world free. And unfortunately in today's military... They're getting away from that. I I don't want to go any further. You know, I could say a lot more. Okay. Uh, A lot more could be said on this subject because uh, Khan devotes an entire section in the book. Okay. Bottom line is the distinction between the sexes, the genders, is being blurred. And you hear that term unisex being thrown around these days. Now one other thing too I'll say on this. It was a common practice at the temple of uh, the prostitutes that were devoted to Ashtoreth for men to be dressed up like women. And now we have the same thing that's come about too. How many of you know about the drag queens? They even got the drag queen. They used to call them transvestites, you know, men that would dress up like women. Now they call them drag queens. And they've got drag queen story hour. It's disgusting. Yes, it's completely disgusting. It's from the pit of hell. And some of these parents see no harm in taking their children to go there for drag queen story hour and drag queen performances. I'd like to put their pictures on their can. Yeah, that's the latest one. The, the latest one is there's a uh, uh, one of these transgender people, you know, transgender well, she's called, a, she, I, uh, I qualify, He. he, because he's a biological man, He's dressing up like a woman, getting long hair, and adopting these feminine characteristics. This is just happening right today. And the worst of all is they're getting our children and getting them to question their gender. Brothers and sisters, Jesus himself said, He that made them from beginning made them male and female female you can't change the way that you were born. You can take all these puberty blockers and uh, chemical castration and they're, they're lopping off you know intimate parts now too but you can't change what you are. And if you you know we, we make a big deal about gen, you know being able to take genetic tests now. You take a, a genetic test of all these people that think they're the opposite sex, and they're, you know, it's going to review, v- reveal that they are the same sex as what they were born with. You cannot change that, and they're trying to convince. You know, uh, 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 there, there's this one uh, boy who started, you know, at an early age, he started displaying feminine characteristics and his uh, parents, instead of saying, well, he'll grow out of that, you know, they went ahead and let him go through the whole, you know, rigmarole. But he can't change the fact that he's a boy. And now he's become an adult and had all these operations and stuff and uh, puberty blockers. And you know what? He just feels completely lost. In life, deceived. Yep, he's deceived, and these parents cannot do this. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, this is nuts. I mean that. It is. You know, I heard uh, my mentor uh, Walter, uh, Doctor Walter R. Martin, used that one time, uh, word one time, and he said that's not very scholarly, but I can assure you, it's accurate. It's not only nuts, brothers and sisters, it's very, very evil. It is. And God is not going to put up with that very much longer. And this nation faces judgment. The storm clouds are gathering, brothers and sisters. Humanity. They're gathering to the far east here. Where a certain country is threatening to usurp us, and we may get involved in a war, and it could happen within the next year or so. With no toxic males. Yeah, with no toxic males. And, uh, you know, we've been throwing away all of our uh, ammunition, you know, over there in that pointless war in Ukraine, and we are not going to have what it takes to win that war. And if I was a betting man, I hate to say it, I'm an American, I love, America. I love America. But it looks like if the war gets started there, we could very well lose. This is God's judgment on this nation. He's not going to com- permit us. We've got, had such an abundance of the, the light of the word of God in this nation, and we have turned away from it. Okay. Okay, I've said enough. Last, uh, the final part in this series is Moloch. He's also called Moloch or Milkon. And he was the main god of Israel's enemies, the Ammonites or the children of Ammon. This god is most closely associated with human sacrifice. In particular, that of the children that were being sacrificed. And Khan labels him the destroyer. So Baal was the possessor. uh, Ashtoreth was the enchantress and the transformer. And Moloch is the destroyer. Now, human sacrifice was not unique to the children of Ammon. It was also practiced throughout history in many different cultures and civilizations. Normally I've refrained from... uh, Uh, reading out of Kahn's book, but let me just read two paragraphs here. In the case of the pagan world, it, that is human sacrifice, was the result of God's absence. In the case of Israel, it was the result of turning away from God's presence. That's what we have done now. And yet, contrary to what we might expect, the practice of Human sacrifice was not unique or exceptional. Rather, it was nearly universal. It could be found in the temples of ancient Egypt, to the shrines of Tahiti, from the altars of Mesopotamia, to the hanging trees of Germany, from India to Hawaii, from West Africa to Tibet, from the Aztecs, right here, not this hemisphere, to the uh, Celts, the Celts, from the Druids to the Mongolians, and among countless other peoples in countless other uh, lands. Human and child sacrifice were symptomatic of pagan culture, thought, values, and this is an important part here, and the overall devaluation and degradation of life, specifically human life. Beyond sacrifice, The young, the children, were especially vulnerable in pagan cultures to mistreatment, abuse, and murder. Infants with deformities or disabilities were commonly discarded by their parents, left in garbage dumps, drowned in rivers, exposed to the elements, or abandoned to wild animals. You know, this is exactly what happened in the first century. Is a common practice if the child was unwanted in a home, they would just take that child and throw it out into the garbage dump to be devoured by wild animals. And into that ungodly culture, Christianity came. And they, the early Christians, I've told you this before, they would comb through the garbage dumps looking for discarded babies. And chances were that the probably, I would say probably 90% of them were female. Because in those cultures, you know, men were held up in high esteem. And women were kind of just tossed aside. Their only function was to bear more children or keep the house. And so, so many babies were rescued by those early Christians. And that's what, uh, uh, you know, the church does, is it cares for the poor and the needy and the people that can't help themselves. Okay. So, Solomon's great sin, as I read earlier, it says... For it was so when Solomon was old that this is the nation of Israel, you know, that his wives turned his heart after other gods. By the way, Solomon's problem is he didn't obey the word of God. Because in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 17, verses 16 and 17, tells that the uh, kings, when the king would come into the land, God said, you guys don't need a king. I could be your king. Yes. But he said, well, you know I know you, your heart is hard. You're going to try to get a king like the other nations. And there's one there are three guidelines that, he, that I give these kings. He shall not multiply for himself horses. Why? Horses were associated with power, you know, chariots and things like that. We, we just talked about this uh, uh, this past Wednesday. We uh, were uh, reading about David's great sin of numbering the people, taking a sentence, so he would know his physical prowess, you know, his armies. How many people that he could put under arms and uh, defend Israel or maybe even go out and do conquering. And that was a grievous sight. Why? Because David was saying, I'm going to rely upon my own strength, my own power. And so these horses, that's what the horses were associated with, chariots, cavalry, things like that. You know, physical prowess instead of relying upon the Lord. So that's why God told these future kings, you will not multiply for yourself horses. Another thing too, they were not to multiply to themselves silver and gold. Solomon became probably the richest man you know, of his era, and maybe the, period, the richest man uh, period in terms of you know, material wealth. And the third thing is, what did he say? You will not multiply for yourselves wives, particularly foreign wives, because these wives will turn your heart away. And that's what happened with Solomon. Okay? He turned after other gods. For he went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, after Moloch, the abomination of the Ammonites. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab on the hill that is east of Jerusalem, and for Moloch, the abomination of the children of Ammon. And unsaid here, along with Moloch, came the primary sacrament to him, which was child sacrifice. Now, I don't know if the actual child sacrifice went on during the time of Solomon, but I can practically guarantee you, after he died and his son Rehoboam took over, also probably with Jeroboam, the, you know, because the, the kingdom split after Solomon died, in the northern kingdom with Jeroboam, they began to practice that uh, child sacrifice to Moloch. Okay. God's warning concerning Moloch. Leviticus 18.21. See, Solomon had access to this scripture. It said, And you shall not let any of your descendants pass through the fire to Moloch. You know what pass through the fire means? It means they, they either killed the baby beforehand or they just threw the baby Yeah, Marlene is covering her ears. I don't blame her. Or they just actually just burned the baby alive. Solomon disobeyed that command from the Lord and began the practice of moloch worship and child sacrifice in the high places. Now, why did they do this in the high places? You know why? It's because the high places were generally away from populated areas. And so the people could not hear the screams of the children that were sacrificed. They also uh, played music too. They would uh, beat drums and play flutes very loudly again, so people couldn't hear. But in spite of having you know, very good kings, Judah only took away the high places, these high places, under uh, two kings. And those two kings were Hezekiah and Josiah. Verse 10 of Second uh, Kings chapter 23. And Josiah defiled Topheth, which is in the valley of the sons of Hinnom, so that no man might make his son or daughter pass through the fire to Moloch. Okay, a couple of things right here before I read the next verse. The valley of Hinnom was very close by Jerusalem. And this is where, under the evil kings, and there were some evil kings there, particularly Ahaz and later Manasseh, where they would actually... You know, performed the child sacrifice right there next to Jerusalem, and the shrines that were devoted to this uh, God uh, Topheth, the, the, the shrines to, to Molech were called Topheth. Okay, that's the first part there. And you know what the Valley of Hinnom is? Jesus talked about the Valley of Hinnom. Except he didn't call it Hinnom. He called it Gehenna. And Gehenna became his illustration of what the fires of hell were all about. The Gehenna of fire. And why? Because that uh, Gehenna was a place of perpetually burning garbage. And Jesus used that. Okay? Okay? That's just so you understand what we're talking about this. Josiah, maybe, the, in my opinion, the greatest king that uh, uh, Judah ever had. Unfortunately, it was too late. Because the uh, judgment of God had become irreversible by that point. My prayers, it hasn't happened to us yet. Okay? So, uh, verse 13 of... Uh, Second Kings chapter 23. Then the king defiled the high places. Here's the high places again. He tore them down that were east of Jerusalem, which were on the mount south of the Mount of Corruption, which Solomon, king of Israel, had built for Ashtoreth, the abomination of the Sidonians, for Chemosh, the abomination of the Moabites, and for Moloch, the abomination of the children of, of the people of uh, Ammon. You know, I never realized it before. And this is a message of hope, brothers and sisters. I, I hope you're not going to walk out of here feeling all depressed. It's a message of hope. Okay? The two worst kings of Judah were King Ahaz. You know who Ahaz's son was? He was Hezekiah, one of the two kings that tore down the high places all the rest of the kings had never done that before and then later on a man comes along a king comes along by the name of Manasseh and Manasseh was even worse probably than Ahaz was you know read read these things in the book of Kings and Chronicles Manasseh comes over and when he dies guess who takes over his son, Josiah. You know, we can thank God that both Hezekiah and Josiah were not among the children that they had, that had been sacrificed. But it shows you no matter how bad the degradation becomes, God can still raise up people that will stand against it. Can you say hallelujah to that? Hallelujah. Okay. So. Why is this matter of child sacrifice so detestable to God? <clears throat> you have to understand God's purpose to mankind. It tells us this in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10. You know what it is? It's to bring many sons to glory. God created you to bring to heaven, as a son to His, your glory. He wants to glorify you. That is his plan for every person that has ever existed. Every human being that God has ever created in the womb. Is made in his image. And has the capacity to obtain this glory. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Hallelujah. And Satan wants to thwart that purpose. Moloch, the spirit of Moloch, wants to thwart that purpose. Man is unique among God's creation. There's a great gulf that separates us from the animals. We are different because we are made in the image of God. Image and likeness of God. So number one. Every human being God has ever created in the womb is made in His image and has that capacity yes. to live with Him forever Amen. in glory. Amen. Number two, God has a plan and purpose for every person that has ever lived. He told Jeremiah, first chapter, chapter 1, verse 5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Amen. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. God's plan and purpose for Jeremiah was laid out before he was even conceived. Is Jeremiah better than us? He's not better than any of us. And the same thing is true for every one of us. God had a plan and purpose for your life. It remains for you to discover what that is. And if you don't know what it is, then it's time that you seek God about that. Okay? Also, Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. David writes, For you, that is God... You formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. Verse 16. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and yet in your book... They were all written. The days fashioned for for me when there was as yet none of them. God sees you. And God wants you to seek Him about His will in your life. Amen. Amen. Now, Moloch in the present day, the modern day. You know, part of the Hippocratic Oath, who's heard of the Hippocratic Oath? The Hippocratic Oath is supposed to be something that doctors are supposed to uh, give before they ever take their place as a medical doctor. And if you go through that Hippocratic Oath, you know what it says? It specifically says, I will not perform an abortion. Boy, we've strayed from that, haven't we? Now, in the modern civilizations, first of all, Russia. As God was forced out of Russia, the Bolsheviks or the communists took over. One of the first things that they did, you know, they took over in 1917. One of the first things they did was three years later, they legalized abortion. And that was followed not just by abortion... But later on, a man by the name of Joseph Stalin took over and he made up all of these concentration camps. And the people that he regarded as his political enemies, also Christians, of course, they wound up going to these concentration camps. One of them escaped, a man by the name of Alexander Solzhenitsyn, and he wrote a book about the experience that he had in that. It's called the Gulag Archipelago. Yeah. Very profound. The sign of God, of man's inhumanity to man. And obviously, Moloch is behind all of those concentration camps too. Then we, a few years later, we had Nazi Germany. Also instituted abortions but only for the people that they deemed unfit for living. For those of their superior, quote-unquote, Aryan race, of course, it was still forbidden. Hitler also tried to suppress Christianity in Nazi Germany, and he wanted to replace it with, guess what? The German pagan religions that practice child. Sacrifice and human sacrifice. And of course Hitler, you know, probably maybe even outdid Stalin with these concentration camps, and he threw the Jews in there. You know, he called you know what he called the Jews? He called them subhuman creatures. And he also threw gypsies and the disabled. Well, the the disabled, he he just outright executed them, mentally or physically uh, disabled. He just got rid of them. And he took other races, like the Slavs, and he put them into slave labor to build his roads and railroads and his Nazi war machine. He fed them starvation, rations, exposed them to the elements to die of the cold. And believe me, it gets cold there in Germany during the uh, winter. He took those people. They were expendable. Probably most of them either got overworked or uh, died of starvation or the elements within a year or two. They didn't last very long. He was purifying this Aryan race. Okay, what about modern day Western civilization? Here in America, specifically in America, abortion was legalized at the federal level in January 1973. And only to be overturned, we finally overturned it this past year. Now, it's no longer legalized at the federal level, but the states can still legalize it. It continues to be legal in all states, to a certain degree, some more than others. You know, for some of these people, abortion is a religious sacrament. quote gives some quotes in here about people that talk about abortion being this sacrament, this sacred act. In addition to abortion, euthanasia is also practiced. And again, it's the elderly or people affect, uh, affected by various disabilities that are most susceptible to it. You know, it's being practiced more and more. You know, it's become very common in Canada now, and in some other uh, countries in Western Europe. And abortion is much more common. Here's another thing too: abortion is much more common among the poor and minorities. Particularly the African-American community. You know, African-Americans are only 13% of the uh, population here in the United States. 13%. You know how many, what a percentage of the abortions, though, that are African-American? 40%. 40% of the abortion. Three times the rate of their percentage in the population. You know uh, Margaret Sanger? Mm-hmm. How many of you ever heard Margaret Sanger? You know, Margaret Sanger was the founder of planned parenthood. And she was what they call a eugenicist. Yes. You know what a eugenicist is? Yeah. A eugenicist is somebody that believes that certain segments of the population should not be allowed to breed. And she put African-Americans at the top of that. There's even some correspondence that revealed that she favored the utter extermination of the African-American race. There's some correspondence to that effect. She would be proud to know that so many African-American babies are getting aborted. And they're usually poor, you know, and they put all these uh, Planned Parenthood uh, and abortion clinics there in the places where these minority people live. And this is kind of, you know what it's kind of like? It's kind of like uh, what they uh, uh, did with Moloch. You know, a lot of times the rich people, they would want to appease Moloch. But they didn't want to sacrifice their own children. So you know what they would do? They would buy babies from the poor people, and they would sacrifice them. Okay, since the Roe v. Wade, that's what uh, the decision, 1973, was handed down over 60 million babies have been aborted. You know, that's what they said, I think, uh, 10 years ago. It's probably a lot more. Probably at least 70 to 80 million babies have been aborted. In Bible times, thousands of babies were sacrificed to this pagan god, Moloch. But here in the, our country, it's already in the tens of millions. It's exactly what Jesus said would happen in the parable. You know, he the uh, spirit would go and look for rest, come back to where it was, and then bring seven other spirits even more wicked than itself. That's what happened here. Tens of millions of babies. And you know, in, in some places, like California, you know, I'm a, I'm a California refugee here. I lived in California, mostly the San Diego area, for over 50 years of my life. And I can scarcely recognize it now from the way it was before. But Gavin Newsom, the governor there in California, he's pushed through legislation that says not only can you abort babies through all nine months of pregnancy, but you can also execute children within four weeks of their birth. This is infanticide. Brothers and sisters, it's going on now. And it just tears me up inside to know about it. Okay. I'm almost finished here. Okay. Paul's prediction. We'll go through this a little bit more detail. But know this, that in the last days, grievous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves. Isn't that what the uh, woman says when she has an abortion? Probably 90% of them are, you know, the abortions occur out of wedlock. Oh, I don't want this baby. This baby is going to inconvenience me, you know, in my career. Lovers of themselves, lovers of money. Money is such a big deal. In fact, the, the abortion industry itself is big business. They're making probably billions of money through it. Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Okay? Blasphemers. These people on the far left blaspheme God. And right now, they're taking action against Christians. Persecution is coming. It's more real now than ever. disobedient to parents. What does that mean? What's that have to do with what's going on today? Well, you know what they're doing now in the public schools. They find a vulnerable you know, young child, get him or her to question his gender or her or her gender. And they say, don't tell your parents, you know, that we're calling you by these pronouns. Don't tell them this new name that we've given you. They're encouraging the children to be disobedient to parents. The state is behind. This is exactly what they did in Nazi Germany. It's exactly what they did in the Soviet Union and in China today. All over the place. Unthankful, unholy. Now this is the key one. That's why I've underlined it here. Without natural affection. What's the most natural affection in the world that you can think of than a a mother's love for her child? But when you have this abortion it's the complete opposite. You have no natural affection for it. Instead, you hate, in effect, hate that child. To destroy its life, you hate that child. And it's all been done in the name of <clears throat> convenience. Unforgiving, you know, with the people on the left, they have no forgiveness. They're going to come after me, I think, so one of these days. Because of the political postings that I make on Facebook. And I, I could say, oh, I'm sorry, but the, the, the damage is done. They are pulling up these postings from 10, 12, 15 years ago and cancel culture. No forgiveness for, for, uh, uh, of the people, you know, uh, on there on the left. They, they do not forgive. They remember. Okay? Slanders, you know, you see this, you know, people on the left, they're continually slandering us that are Christians and conservatives. Without self-control, you know, they can't control their passions. That's why so many women are getting pregnant out of wedlock and then aborting the baby. Brutal, despises of good. You know what the prophet Isaiah once wrote? Woe to those who call good evil and evil good. That's what they're doing. Despises of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. Brothers and sisters, we're right there. there. We are there. Israel and Judah polluted the land with the blood of children. And this, more than anything else, is why God brought judgment to them. And he's going to have to apologize to the people there in Judah that he destroyed the land if he doesn't bring judgment to us too as well. Now I want to end up on a high note, okay? I'm sorry put everybody depressed and everything. Okay, high note. We can still overcome. Amen? As powerful as the spirit of, uh, the spirit of uh, Moloch uh, are, you know, the spirit of the living God is even more powerful. Yes. The spirit of Moloch acting along with all other spiritual forces were defeated yes. by Jesus at the cross. He is defeated. They are defeated. Everybody say that. They are defeated. And one day they are going to have to bow the knee to Him. Philippians chapter 2 verses 11 and 10 says that one day every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. You can make that spirit of Moloch bow. Yes. You can make that spirit of Ashtoreth bow. Tell them to bow the knee to Jesus now. The Spirit. Okay, amen. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Okay, so in conclusion, the spirit of Moloch is just one of the spirits of the Balaam, but can be overcome if we just pray for revival. And just like, as I mentioned before, just like Hezekiah, you know, followed Ahaz, that ungodly King Ahaz, and Josiah followed that ungodly King Manasseh, so we can have a revival here in this nation too. Amen? So, pray for a revival every day, brothers and sisters, I can't, Express how important this is. The only thing that is going to halt this worship of Moloch by sacrificing of our children is uh, that uh, the Spirit of God that, that is uh, permeating, permeating our society today is for God's people to return wholeheartedly to Him and pray that it is not too late. Now, more than ever, brothers and sisters, we need a Jesus movement. Yes. Amen. Yes. Okay, yes. our concluding song. We're going to have days of Elijah. Amen. Because the days of Elijah are coming. I'm believing that. Okay, so go ahead and cue that up if you would, uh, uh, Susie. Everybody stand up now. Let's worship the Lord. Make heart brothers and sisters the one who was and now is and is to come is still on the throne no matter how bleak things get but we need to do our part brothers and sisters and pray for that revival amen hallelujah father we come before you Lord and we praise and thank you that you are still on the throne and Lord you are mighty and Mightier than the all these spirits we've been talking about, the Balaam, the Ashtoreths, and Moloch, Lord, you're mightier than them. And so, Lord, we place our trust in you, Lord, and we know that you're going to bring about our salvation. And, uh, Lord, we thank you that uh, you've called us and ordained us, Lord, and that uh, we are your sons and your daughters, Lord God, and you're going to bring us safely to glory even as we've borne witness to in this song, Lord. And thank you for this, Lord. Touch our hearts, Lord God. Inspire us, Lord, to accomplish everything that you have for us in our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Right. Name above all names. Okay.